Hello and welcome uh, to our audience uh, and uh, welcome to this uh, event by the Hellenic Observatory uh, the, on uh, the e-economy in Greece. The title of the event is, is Greece Falling Behind the Economy, What is to uh, be Done? Uh, the event is part of our research seminar series at the Hellenic Observatory and also the public events program of the London School uh, of Economics. The topic we're dealing with uh, today uh, was always important, the digital economy, the e-economy uh, in general, but especially with the COVID pandemic, it has uh, become increasingly uh, important. The whole issue of digital connectivity, digital literacy uh, has become more and more important, both for economic resilience, but also for societal social cohesion, enabling teleworking in times of lockdown, but also facilitating social contact with uh, uh, self-isolating individual, uh, individuals, shielding individuals and other vulnerable uh, people. Um, to discuss uh, this uh, and related issues uh, on, on this theme, uh, we have uh, three uh, excellent uh, speakers and uh, experts uh, in the field. Our first speaker is Kralabus uh, Tsekiris. He's a research fellow at the Associate Professor Rank on Digital Sociology at the National Center for Social Research in Athens. Uh, he's also academic head at the European Communication Institute and associate at the Anti-Corruption Center for Education and Research in Stellenbosch uh, University. Uh, and uh, his presentation is very much related to his role as principal investigator on the World Internet Project uh, for Greece, um, which uh, related to that, he's going to present some of the results of this uh, study. Professor Sekeris has authored uh, more than 100 scholarly papers uh, and uh, uh, edited a number of, of, of books. Uh, his current research involves the dynamics of digital society and economy in Greece, and this is very much the topic of uh, uh, our theme uh, today. Uh, together with uh, Professor Sekeris, we have uh, 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 Ms. Effie Bitter and Professor Kalliopis Manu as the discussants, who will also contribute to the uh, uh, discussion today. Effie Bitter is uh, Head of Digital Banking at the National Bank of Greece, and she is responsible for the growth and development of MBG's uh, digital offering. Before joining the National Bank of Greece, uh, she held the position as Vice President at JP Morgan's Asset Management in London, and was respons responsible for digital transformation programs in Europe and Asia. Uh, prior to that, she was manager with Accenture in the UK, working in the systems integration practice for retail and banking. Uh, she holds a, a bachelor's degree in electrical and computer engineering from the National University of Athens, and a master's degree in information systems management from our very own London School of Economics. Uh, our se second discussion, Professor Kalliopis Panou, is Professor of Administrative Science and Public Administration at the National Kapodistrian University of Athens in the Department of Political Science and Public Administration. He was elected by a committee at the Hellenic Parliament and served as a Greek Ombudsman in 2011-2015, while he had also served previously as Deputy Ombudsman uh, before in 2003-2011. Uh, Professor Spanou has extensive experience regarding administrative reform, and among others, he has uh, cooperated with the OECD as an expert regarding public administration reform in, in a number of countries. Her research interests cover issues of public administration, uh, public policy, citizen administration uh, relations, Europeanization, and others. He has published numerous books and articles, not only in Greek and English, but also in French. So before I uh, pass the floor uh, to our speakers, let me make a couple of uh, quick announcements. For those using the Twitter, uh, in the audience, the hashtag for the event today is uh, hashtag LSE Greece. And uh, the event is, uh, this an online event is being recorded and hopefully will be made available as a pod podcast. 
uh, hopefully if we don't have any technical uh, difficulties. At the end of the presentations, uh, there will be plenty of time for questions and answers with the audience. To submit your questions, please use the Q&A feature at the bottom of your screen. Um, questions will be submitted to myself and I will ask the questions or as many questions as possible to our speakers to facilitate the discussion. For those watching the event live on Facebook, please add your comments, uh, your questions as comments, and there will be, um, we will uh, take note of them and put them into the discussion as well. Okay, so that's it for me. Uh, we're very much looking for the presentation by Professor Tsekeris, but also the discussion about the digital economy in Greece. Um, Professor Tsekeris, the floor is yours. Many thanks, many thanks, dear Vasilis, and I would like to thank the Hellenic Observatory on behalf of the National Center for Social Research, Athens, Greece. I'm going to talk about the Greek digital economy and the Greek digital society in some extent, drawing from the World Internet Project. Well, let me uh, firstly sketch the global context very briefly. It is characterized by industry for and globalization for, which raise questions about the future of democracy and the future of work, and there are major shifts in economic structure and governance. COVID-19, you said Vasilis, is a major catalyst. It is a catalyst uh, for uh, digitalization. It has accelerated hyperconnectivity and has shown the fragility of key infrastructures and poses the need for resilience. The European context is characterized by digital single market, which is an incomplete policy belonging to the European single market that covers digital marketing, e-commerce, and telecommunications. The Greek context, the Greek digital context, is characterized by low level of digital social cohesion. There are many surveys showing that. And a high level of uh, digital inequality among uh, regions, sectors, firms, gender in the field of ICT professionals, workers, and generations. We score uh, one of the highest levels of um, intergenerational digital uh, divide. This is uh, the digital maturity index by the Hellenic um, Federation of uh, Greek um, Enterprises. Uh, well, this is the previous year's one. Uh, this year's digital maturity index shows that uh, we, sky, we score higher in the digital maturity of the public sector, but we score very low. We are in the low in the lowest position in the digital maturity of um, uh, the Greek enterprises and the Greek society in general. COVID-19 crisis has increased socioeconomic inequalities at global level. And uh, we score low again in the IMD um, digital, um, 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 uh, the IMD um, digital competitiveness index. Well, uh, as far as the World Internet Project is concerned, it was uh, founded in 1999. 
It is based on uh, South California Annenberg School Center for the Digital Future. The World Internet Project is a major international collaborative project looking at the po social, political, and economic impact of internet other new technologies. The National Center for Social Research is the Greek participation in the World Internet Project, and we are now doing an ongoing research to update it, uh, to include the pandemic, to show how the pandemic act as a huge accelerator for digital reform in Greece and highlights the um, importance for digital infrastructure and digital human and social capital for inclusive and adaptive resilient recovery. But uh, the World Internet uh, Project report uh, that um, we conducted the survey that we conducted last year has valuable results and has um, anticipated in some way the coronavirus disruption of the Greek digital society. Um, this is an extract from the paper that is going to get published in Hellenic Observatory Discussion Paper Series. Greece appears as a digitally immature, unready and vulnerable society with strong antinomies and contradictions. Uh, indeed, we saw long queues um, outside bank stores. We saw um, the unpreparedness of the digital education system. We saw lack of skills, lack of access, lack of infrastructure. We saw lack of um, preparedness in the uh, field of Greek enterprises. No more than 10% of the Greek enterprises um, are, digital, are fully digitalized. So, as far as the uh, internet use is concerned, the internet is mostly used by younger, employed, and better educated population of Greece and of higher income. Um, the population is growing. Over 70% of the population is using the internet, but we have a high number of non users, almost 30%, and we have, and 70% of them are dynamic non-users, that is, uh, they are determined not to use the internet in the future, so there is a significant digital gap, and the digital divide also exists in um, geographical terms, there is a gap between urban and rural areas, Attica, Crete and South Aegean are champions in the use of the internet. We have low diversity of online activities. We use it mostly for communication, entertainment, watching videos, listening to music, for um, online news consumption. We are champions in online news consumption. And uh, we don't use it much for learning purposes and for creative and innovative purposes. But we are not scoring low in social media presentation. We are mature social media users. Focus by YouGov Joint Research um, has updated this info. April 2020, we are doing uh, well in the use of social media. But as I said before, uh, we are not using the internet in a creative manner to do business.
to do online transactions, to buy online, to sell online, to do e-booking, to, uh, to do e online payments, or to invest online. So we need uh, digital, digital financial literacy. Uh, low diversity is also shown by the OECD's House Life in the Digital Age report. And low diversity is combined with weak demand for internet services. Um, the bonding social capital in the digital world, that is connecting with friends and family, is much stronger than bridging or linking social capital. That is, we do not use the internet so much for uh, connecting with society in general, civil society, um, to connect with um, government uh, or the state or public services. Greek users are also highly skeptical regarding the reliability of online information, but paradoxically, um, they have the impression that they can control the reliability of online information and fake news on the net. Uh, most of them say they have nothing to hide. The majority is actively protecting their privacy online and express strong concerns about privacy violations, mostly by corporations. The majority also do not expect that online participation will increase their ability to influence government decisions or that public officials will be more interested in their opinion. So we have a low level of digital political trust. I will not elaborate on the digital economy and society index because these are well-known data. Um, we have um, this significant figure of digital public services, which is getting higher, but uh, we still remain among the weakest. This is also um, shown by the um, e-government development index and the digital government index by OCD. The digitalization of public services is um, accelerated now by the portal YouGov of the Ministry of Digital Governance, providing more than 700 e-services. The ministry helps teleworking, teleconferencing. These processes are here to stay because they are more sustainable. Uh, economically and uh, technologically and environmentally sustainable. So the thing is that to create an overall framework for transparency on the net, a framework of trust and public support for digitalization and to give power to the people, that is to um, empower uh, citizens in a bottom-up way. As far as the Greek businesses are is concerned, um, we score low, lower than the previous year. The use of cloud services and small and medium enterprises selling online are Greek businesses' weakest uh, digital dimensions. So, uh, digital skills and digital human capital is the most important and most uh, difficult part of the DESI index. We still score low albeit uh, good efforts by the Greek government. There is a cultural aspect here. We need to confront phobic and defensive cultural attitudes toward democracy, toward uh, 
technology, innovation and the future. Greece has been a digital laggard because of its model of productivity, because of its essential characteristics of um, its productivity base. So we were trying to boost digital skills by the Digital Skills and Jobs Coalition, by the Digital Citizen Academy. We need critical digital skills in order to break filter bubbles and eco-chamber because in some extent we are an eco-chamber society. Critical digital skills to tackle digital challenges like attention economy, choices of architecture, um, algorithmic content curation and disinformation. We have to catch up the train of digital, of skills revolution, the train of reskilling and upskilling by building digital intelligence at uh, individual, corporate, collective, societal level. Digital intelligence is the sum of social, emotional, cognitive uh, abilities that enable individuals to face and communities to face the challenges of and adapt to demands of digital life based on community values. And we also have to build the ethical and ethical digital ecosystem as a collective responsibility. We also have to fit the world's first global standards for digital literacy, digital skills, and digital readiness. And finally, we have to catch up the train of globalization for the COVID-19 um, pandemic uh, slows um, the, the, the so-called globalization three, but speeds up, slows down globalization three, but speeds up globalization four. Globalization four is uh, this uh, condition of interconnectedness between virtual and digital systems, um, provoking the diffusion of services, innovation, knowledge, and information. This is the globotics upheaval. So we need to adjust uh, into this kind of globalization as a society. And uh, we need to create structures of adaptation as a society. We, we fear, we are afraid of um, job automation. We, we also afraid of um, um, robots that will take our jobs. This is the most recent uh, survey from McKinsey and there, there is a substantive risk of job automation shown by the OECD um, report. So what do we have to do? We have to build digital human capital, digital social capital, digital trust, digital cohesion. We have to also build digital inclusive institutional capital in order to deliver, in order, in order to create a sustainable, agile, and resilient, resilient digital future. Some further recommendations include further simplification of administrative procedures by ensuring interoperability amongst all platforms. Public administration must open all non-personal 
anonymous data and public and private sectors collaboration is needed in, up in upgrading, exploiting uh, digital infrastructure and technology. We need more competition policies and more digital innovation hubs covering all economic sectors. Blockchain and uh, cryptocurrency research is of utmost importance nowadays. We also need an overall comprehensive national plan for investments in industry for local government must uh, leverage smart city technologies and we need to adapt um, our current innovation model of manufacturing media multiliteracies multi should be diffused we also need to institutionalize fact-checking and we need better regulation and techno-ethics, mostly AI ethics, and uh, to build a framework of digital policies, of data policy, digital trust, digital inclusion and cohesion in order to combine innovation, responsibility and trust, and also in order to meet UN Sustainable Development Goals. Finally, we need foresight policies. That is, we need to build future narratives. We need to plan our future. And we need to prepare for our future uh, by focusing on policy areas that will provoke progress, environmental, societal, economic progress. E-economy is a mega trend with positive features like anti-fragility. Anti-fragility is, um, is the reason that we have to speed up e-economy within COVID environment and within very risky environment. Um, but there are negative dimensions like economic polarization, labor polarization, cyber threats, these tendencies, these threads, are also highlighted by the Strategic Foresight Report of the European Commission, which is charting the course towards a more resilient Europe. And we have to contribute to this foresight debate. We, uh, we have to advise from this mapping of structural, to get advice from this mapping of structural risks facing the EU, we have to fully exploit the recovery plan for Europe and we need a twinning of the digital and green transition and cooperation between stakeholders of the industry and of the state to tackle industry for challenges and globalization for challenges. So the journey of a uh, digital Greek economy is just beginning, but we don't have time. We have to speed up. I don't have time as well. Uh, my presentation is finished. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Harlow. Uh, that's very interesting. And there was a lot, a lot of material uh, in the presentation. And I think many points to come back. But you definitely mentioned the fragility and how uh, the digital economy can, can uh, sort of provide more resilience, less fragility, but also the problems of polarization. So the two discussions are perfectly suited, I think, to, to speak on those uh, issues. I'll pass the floor directly to Effie. 
Good evening uh, from me as well. Uh, I would like, first of all, to congratulate the organizers and the Hellenic uh, Observatory for this series of online events. Uh, thank you very much for inviting me. Uh, as an LSE alumna, I'm particularly excited to return to the LSE campus, even in a virtual setting, and, and share the digital floor uh, with uh, distinguished speakers. Uh, I'm pretty sure we'll be having a very thought-provoking discussion uh, later on all together. Uh, in listening to Professor Checkeris, I am in vast agreement with most of his comments, and I would like to expand on some of the points he made. Uh, when we speak about digital maturity in Greece, especially in challenging and unpredictable times like the ones we're in, uh, we need to take into account a particularly uh, complex topic uh, than what, that one, speci specifically someone that is not so close to the Greek context, needs to see uh, from various angles and take a more multifaceted approach. Uh, I will start by giving an overview of the state of the Greek society and how that it was only several months ago in the pre-COVID era. As, Mr., uh, as, as Dr. Checker said, uh, Greece has a higher percentage of well-trained and higher education graduates in the fields related to digital transformation, like the STEM fields. However, the country's performance in terms of digital skills in business and society scores quite low and is not uh, at satisfactory levels um, at large. Again, digital usages, uh, digital usage services, uh, uh, from a high-level point of view, appear to be on par with the rest of the EU average. Uh, having said that, by taking a closer look, we can see that uh, digital services, uh, adoption of digital services scores quite high when it comes to leisure and entertainment activities such as holiday planning, Expedia, TripAdvisor, Booking.com, social media usage, and news and content consumption through popular platforms like YouTube and Netflix. Now, the Greek's adoption of digital, of core digital services like e-government, e-shopping, or e-banking still significantly lags uh, behind compared to the EU average. And that in particular, to me, highlights, highlights two very interesting points. Uh, the first one is a digital divide amongst different demographics, which is inevitably fueled as well by the inequalities that got deepened by the recent profound 10-year economic crisis. For instance, Greek women, even younger women, aged between 18 and 35 years old, uh, score low on digital skills and digital use compared to their male counterparts in the same age group. Now, the second one, and probably the most interesting point to, to take into account, is the varying levels of digital maturity across different uh, uh, Greek demographics. The lack of information that the average Greek has on web and mobile use, but also the inherent risks uh, that uh, they are not so familiar with are obstacles to the further penetration of internet use in the wider population and not so much only for consumers but business alike. To prove my point, uh, I would like to share some facts from the digital banking ecosystem, which I happen to be, uh, the Greek digital banking ecosystem, which I happen to, uh, to be part of. Over the recent uh, pandemic, especially during the first lockdown, uh, we've seen a, a radical shift in perception and explosion of e-banking transactions, uh, as well as card payments and mobile wallet payments. That was pretty much in line with the global trend we've seen in other countries uh, uh, due to the COVID effect. However, we've also witnessed a, a disproportionately higher percentage 
of successful phishing scam attacks that were particularly targeted to more vulnerable and less tech-savvy demographics. It is shocking to me the number of incidents we see daily of, of the average consumers that give away extremely sensitive data like card details, phone numbers, in-banking credentials to unauthorized sources. This gets us to a downward spiral as major fraud incidents are made to the headlines and this further intimidates the non-digital native demographics and further slow down the effective adoption of digital services for the wider population. Why is that then? That, 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 that's the question that comes to every, everyone's mind. And according to uh, Dr. Chekeris, he touched upon a number of these points. Uh, I will just uh, expand a little bit more on some of those. Uh, I think the most prominent one is the fact that uh, the Greeks, Greece lacks and traditionally hasn't had uh, a national plan for the country's digital transformation. Greece uh, significantly lacks behind in creating a favorable environment for digital transformation and the inherent weaknesses of the Greek society, such as the lack of continuity in public administration, the high administrative as well as bureaucratic burden, the unclear if, if existent legal and regulatory framework, as well as the slow uh, delivery of justice in certain cases contribute to this equation. We also need to acknowledge the role played by the, the high cost as well as poor coverage of broadband services, as well as the inexistence up until very recently of very fundamental prerequisites for this transformation, like uh, uh, the electronic ID, the EID, e-contracts, uh, and all these sort of um, concepts. We have to be fair, though, uh, and uh, acknowledge that this has changed dramatically over the past months. Uh, COVID-19 has proved a unique opportunity to accelerate long overdue developments in the innovation and digital transformation arena uh, that happened not only with months, but also within weeks. From a public uh, administration standpoint, as we've seen uh, earlier on, uh, we, have, uh, we, we have the launch of GovGR, uh, a new initiative that, for those unfamiliar with the Greek society, uh, it's, uh, it's a new initiative that aspires to be a one-stop shop for every citizen's interaction with public services, of, uh, with any public services. And that can be uh, from paying his taxes all the way to online medication prescription. In the, in, the, in the following weeks, we will also see the launch of EKYC, uh, Know Your Customer Platform. And that's the new government platform that enables all Greek citizens to manage centrally and real time their personal and sensitive data. And not only that, but also uh, manage the way this is shared across. For example, in Greece today, someone even for applying for a, a, something as simple as a credit card to a bank, he needs to share fully his own as well as his spouse financial details through the tax statement. Now through the uh, EKYC platform that can be automated and the government and the citizen can have full control on the level of detail that is passed on to the bank. That all is very promising uh, and although uh, inevitably uh, there is a, a lot of uh, a lot of things for Greece to catch up uh, I feel that Greece needs to resist the temptation to push for digital transformation as an afterthought at the back of the global pandemic. I feel this, this is an opportunity to rather pursue this digital transformation as a strategic priority. 
This means that uh, Greece has to define a vision, a strategy, as well as a national plan to get there. Uh, I've read very recently uh, an interview by Microsoft CEO uh, Satya Nandela, where he recognized three phases in the post-COVID era. Uh, he says that the first phase, the phase we're currently in, this is the response phase. And this is where we are trying to respond with traditional crisis management techniques to the challenges that we, are, we, are, we have ahead of us. The second phase that we are slowly moving also uh, in, in Greece and in Europe is the recovery. This is where we take the innovation and emergency solutions that were born out of necessity in the previous phase and take them to standardization and industrialization. In simple terms, we make them part of our everyday life and we make them business as usual. And in the third phase, that hopefully Greece will be in the next 18 to 24 months, this is the reimagination. This is, this is much more than the sum of the previous two phases. It's much more than just taking efficiencies and incorporate them in the existing processes. It is much more than digi digitalizing previously offline processes. It is it's more about rethinking the financial model in Greece and aiming towards a drastic reorientation of this model yeah. by having an economy uh, that uh, is favorable of the gig economy, that embraces high-tech private investment, and eventually lead to the democratization of a digital transformation for the entire set of, uh, of its citizens. Now, wrapping up my commentary, I would like to go back to today's question whether Greece falls behind in the e-economy. Um, I think that the answer lies in the question itself. The moment we start separating the e-economy from the uh, traditional economy or from the rest of the economy, it becomes obvious that there is, a, there is a very hard line between the offline and the online world, the digital and the rest. I'm very much hopeful that in the following, uh, in the following event, in the following months, we will not have this strict separation and hopefully the answer will be very different to the answer we will give today. Thank you very much, uh, everyone, for, uh, for your participation and attention. And I'm looking forward to the questions uh, at the Q&A session. Thank you. Thank you, Effie. Um, indeed, uh, one day maybe we'll not separate between digital and uh, uh, non-digital, but I think we're, we're quite some way uh, far. I also like to comment the the, what you said about the, the post-COVID era, it's the first time I hear something about post-COVID era. I think it's also going to be a while in, you know, we're going to be a while in the COVID uh, era. But um, a number of, of very important things that were also uh, raised in, in your uh, comments, we can pick all this up in, in the discussion later. But for now, I'll pass the floor to Kaliopis Pano. Thank you very much and thank you for this invitation. Um, uh, so much has been already said and um, raised that uh, it is very difficult for me to, to readjust a little bit my uh, my ideas. Um, the report, I mean the, the report, the study uh, has highlighted many many aspects. Although in my view there is a lot to to dig into still in order to have a better view of. Um, the why the causes of this um, um, delay of, of Greece um, and and you know the the the, the fine the, the more more delicate aspects of that um, so uh, in any case uh, the um, 
digitalization is to a large extent the driver uh, of globalization today and all kinds from economic to cultural. Uh, these, these forces uh, are much uh, stronger than in the past, I think, uh, because globalization had different forms. But as you all know, this kind of revolutions, um, and this, in this case, the fourth industrial revolution, does not take place simultaneously in all countries uh, and at the same speed throughout society. So we have to accept that this, this process cannot be um, evenly uh, distributed within societies and economies and countries. Now, um, I belong to a generation that uh, had this um, uh, you know, experience of the digital technologies uh, during my adulthood. And I think that my generation may be seen as um, you know, the absolute case study of adjustment to, to this. We, may, we, we found it on our way and we follow it. But how far we go with it, it's still an open question. Younger generations are much more uh, familiar with it. They were born with a, a mobile phone or an, a computer in their hands. So it's, it's um, um, something that is uh, in many ways a natural, um, a natural um, uh, consequence. Um, no, uh, now, um, I understand and I would like to, to, to come to the, the aspect of the different attitudes towards uh, the uh, digitalization. Um, as uh, the, the study has uh, shown, the, um, uh, there is about 30% of the population that uh, seems to be um, you know, not a user and sometimes um, you know, uh, rather uh, resistant to the, the use of, of the internet and digital technologies. Um, however, if you go into the, you know, the specifics of that, you see that it concerns more women than men, more those who are not in active employment than those who are in active employment, more to uh, older generations than younger people. So, this is a clear reminder that the, the kind of uh, digital illiteracy um, has a sociological rather than technological components. So um, whatever plan, action plan is to be um, in some way devised, uh, we need to address these issues. Uh, for example, is it also because uh, there is uh, still a much more traditional view of women's role in society that uh, explains this um, uh, gap, gender gap. Um, or uh, is it uh, the fact that um, uh, those who are in employment and during the past 10 years we had a very high uh, rate of unemployment, um, those who are not in active employment cannot keep up with these um, transformations, challenges, and uh, also requirements because the labor market may may require uh, these these skills. But those who are out of this uh, of the labor market cannot uh, participate in kind of 
um, upskilling of, of training and, and uh, getting, you know, more uh, familiar and more uh, skill, skilled in terms of digital um, technology. So uh, I would be very much interested in a more sociological explanation of these divides. Um, and um, who are these people? Who, who are these people who are 30% of the population? Where do they live? What is their age? And, and uh, what might be, and that's a question that we need to ask, what might be the basic and necessary uses of the internet for them? So internet is not everything for every, everyone. It's the needs of specific groups of the population and uh, groups based on different criteria. So, uh, and then an, an, an another uh, question is how possible is it to bring them into the digital world? I am not very uh, optimistic about that. Um, and and at, the, uh, at the end of the day, there are certain aspects that are not uh, necessarily uh, that uh, are not covered by this digitalization. Now, imagine um, an, uh, someone unemployed uh, who is theoretically empowered by uh, having to interact digitally with an employment advisor. I don't think that would be the proper way. And uh, that would also not be the proper way for the, for the person who is unemployed. So we need to diversify our perspective, who needs what, how, under what circumstances, and how, how much this digital infrastructure we have in mind can serve these purposes, can serve these special groups in the population. Another issue is uh, trust. It has been mentioned before. Um, Trust is, uh, appears to be very contradictory, uh, while uh, people, uh, as it was mentioned before, um, give away a lot of their <laughs> data. And at the same time, um, they think that uh, the internet is not uh, safe, uh, there's no security. Now, this is a contradictory behavior, but that may also mean something more than, than that, just that. Um, why do they give their data? And uh, are they? Uh, what do they mean by the by saying that uh, the internet is not fully secure? Uh, for me, this um, study uh, that I read and, and uh, was presented today, along with many others, opens up many more questions than it answers. And I would like. I would like to have more about that. Um, another um, issue uh, I will uh, mention, and I think uh, I will try to, to sum up with that, is the state-citizen divide. Um, we, we know very well that um, um, in Greece, um, trust between uh, the citizen and the state is not uh, really... Um, you know, <laughs> the most marking feature, to say the least. Uh, the state does not trust the citizen, and in that sense, it uh, always increases bureaucracy and uh, procedures and controls and this and that. 
And uh, the citizen does not trust the state because uh, the state—it it, is—you know—citizens um, think that the state is always after them by considering them as uh, um, always uh, untrustworthy and all of that. So we have a mutual suspicion that does not help. Uh, in um, you know the development of the digitalization of public services. Now, um, what is interesting, however, is uh, that um, we have a lot of progress in that area, and and with COVID nineteen, this has increased, and that's absolutely marvelous. And, and you know, it's a big, big um, uh, achievement within a very short. Uh, amount of time. But let me give you another example. Um, why, why some time ago it was, it, it, you should go to the tax office in order to get the codes, the tax codes. Uh, this is not anymore the case after, you know, COVID-19. Uh, this is the question of trust. This is the question of trust. And it seems that with COVID-19, we have overcome also a kind of trust divide. To what extent, I'm not sure yet, but because it may, it may happen that once we're in the post-COVID era, as you said before, um, all this goes back to person-to-person, to -person, you know, to, to, to interpersonal uh, uh, contact. Let's see. And, and the, last, um, the last point I would like to make is that we all know that Taxes net was one of the major advancements, major achievements in the past decades. Uh, this digitalization started from taxation, and um, to the extent to, to, to the point that today it's the most reliable infrastructure, the most reliable system, in order to do anything else with regard to the you know public services you need tax codes and and you use in fact this infrastructure of taxes taxes net um why did it start why did it start from there it's more or less an obvious question <laughs> uh, an obvious answer but uh, still that shows that progress yes may, greece may be, appear a laggard um but I would say that progress is more uneven. It's not just lagging behind. It's an uneven progress. And uh, at the end of the day, <laughs> the motto of the Greek policy approach to digitalization seems to me to be, give me a reason. Give me a reason. And then this works as an accelerator, overcoming resistance, hesitations, and generally low ambitions and expectations. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Calliope. I think you made a reference to Tracy Chapman there at the end, which gives me a reason. <laughs> uh, again, a number of, uh, of issues. I think uh, it would be useful if I passed on the floor to uh, the first secretaries to, to make a few comments, but uh, obviously you cannot uh, relate uh, to, all, to all points raised, but uh, I would like to... Uh, to uh, to see to hear your comments, particularly on this, uh, the first of the uh, points that Kaliop made about the sociological versus technological uh, um, reasons underpinning the uh, the low absorption, uh, low take up of internet services uh, in Greece. Also, in relation to what uh, Effie was saying then, and 
back to that issue of trust and and the very high instance of uh, of facing. So um, one, whether we're talking about sort of technology that can cure the different problems and give access to people, uh, but uh, versus versus kind of the, the you know cultural and sociological characteristics, including the demographics of the of the people not uh, using the internet, uh, but also uh, if um, if these two factors also affect the, the relations of trust uh, and uh, the problems that may arise through coming, phishing, and so forth on the uh, digital platforms. Okay, just uh, let me reflect, let, uh, briefly reflect on the demographics of uh, the non-users. Um, I have to say that our approach in the World Internet Project is uh, interdisciplinary and uh, social, mostly sociological, but interdisciplinary and transdisciplinary in order to understand this vast complexity of the internet. So the, the demographics of the non-users um, is um, as such is the non-user, the typical internet non-user is female, uh, 60 plus years old, without college degree, no college degree, and uh, retired, and uh, we don't, living in the rural, living in Attica area. So, female, 60 plus, no college degree, windowed, um, retired, living in Attica. This, this is also the demographics of the dynamical non-users. Well, what is the reason for not, for not using the internet? There are many reasons, but mainly the, reason, the reasons do not have to do with lack of access or lack of... Um, um, lack of infrastructure. Of course, the internet in Greece is relatively expensive. We have an expensive internet and also a slow internet. So it is not value for money. Um, but the main reason of this population, of this 30% for not using the internet is um, that they, they think that it is not useful. It is confusing them. Um, they don't trust the internet. These are the main reasons. So the reasons are mostly cultural rather than technological. That's why we have to build digital trust. Uh, we have to build up positive narratives for the digital society and for our digital future. As Atsemoglu says, we have to invest um, on new technologies as much as on education and social cohesion. If we do not uh, invest on education and social cohesion, 
the result will be a polarized, a highly polarized society with high level of populism and high level of extremism. As uh, Professor Pisaridis has said, and also Inglehard, Ronald Inglehard has said that uh, the problem is not so much technological, um, technological unemployment. Of course, this is a problem because there, there is a huge mismatch, as Effie said, a huge mismatch between education and labor market, between skills and the labor market, between degrees and the labor market. But public policies may create um, an ecosystem of skills in order to um, in order to decrease this technological unemployment, the biggest risk is not technological unemployment. The biggest risk is technological inequality and the perception of technological inequality, as Inglehart says. The perception of inequality is the reason of the increase in populism and extremism. Uh, so, of this uh, dissolution of Aristotle's middle ground. So, we live, in an, uh, uh, we, we live in a new economy that is digital economy, we live in a new society that is digital society, and uh, the only way to deal with that is to build human capital, digital human capital, digital social capital, and digital institutional capital. Regulation must um, rebuild trust to the system. And we have to focus on cultural factors, the so-called underdog culture. Uh, we are afraid of the future, we are afraid of the digital future. We fear of job automation. We have to build, that's why I said before, we have to build positive uh, narratives for our um, digital future. And uh, this is the point that, um, this is the point of the so-called complexity paradox. Uh, this evolution creates more questions and dilemmas than answers. And our research generates uh, more questions than answers. I think uh, that uh, we need uh, a better uh, governance and better cooperation at the uh, European and international level. Europe is doing um, many things to regulate the digital future and uh, we have to participate in this debate about regulation, about foresight, about digital social cohesion and digital trust and we have to create responsive innovation. We need faster innovation because we are a laggard in innovation, in any innovation index, but we need also sustainable, responsible uh, innovation in order to create a cohesive, smart and uh, inclusive uh, digital society and the human-centered uh, digital future for uh, all citizens.
thank you, Hadi. Uh, I think I need to open the. I, I have a number of questions that I want to ask also in relation to the user versus uh, uh, skilled uh, human capital uh, employee and entrepreneur and so forth. But I, we need to open up the floor. We already have a, a number of questions from the audience. Can I just say to the people who are preparing to ask the questions that please try to type short questions? I spent the last six, seven minutes reading one of uh, one of the questions. Uh, short questions in the Q&A box at the bottom of, of your screen. Uh, and uh, we will, of course, try to discuss all of them or as many as possible. And please try to include your name and affiliation uh, so that we know where you are, who you are. And, uh, uh, it, it, will make the discussion uh, better. Also, people write questions on the Facebook. Please try to share your location so that we can also know something uh, about you. So I would like to uh, privilege one of our uh, Hellenic Conservative people, uh, Professor Featherstone, uh, has asked uh, this question, which relates uh, uh, to one of the points that you picked up on, uh, Harry. Uh, and he was saying that uh, uh, um, the uh, Papandreou uh, favored e-governance as a, as a way also of, uh, I mean, obviously for transparency, but also uh, to build trust in, in government institutions. Um, and uh, to an extent, we're still in the same uh, uh, direction uh, of travel. Uh, but uh, Kevin asks that the, suggests that this reversed the, the causation, that if you have trust, then you go to uh, to use e-governance services rather than the availability of e-governance services would create uh, trust. And the question is, how much more can we expect from pursuing the same logic of uh, asking for e-governance and infrastructure from the public administration in order to build something that is not there in the first place? I, um, I think also, sorry, uh, uh, the, I would like to address the question actually to uh, everybody in the panel. Maybe Calliope would also like to say something. But uh, Harry. Yeah, uh, can you may answer first, please? Oh. Uh, should I answer? I, I agree with the question in the sense of uh, that um, the, what is missing often is something that technology cannot offer, and this is trust. Um, and uh, trust in 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 uh, in the you know these these matters is uh, not only trust in the technology and how secure it is and uh, all of that, but also trust in the relationship that is supposed to be created through this digital uh, inter, uh, you know, uh, infrastructure. Um, I believe that uh, they should go together in some way, but the fact that this trust does not exist already does not make things easier. So I, I, I also... Uh, in, in many ways, I have the same question like uh, Professor Featherstone, and Harris can be can possibly <laughs> give more about it. <laughs> I fully agree with the question and with your answer, dear Kayopi. I think that um, there is a mutual reinforcement between online trust and offline trust. Uh, we, uh, Greek citizens traditionally we do uh, we do not trust the state. Uh, although in this COVID-19 condition, there, is, um, there are signs of confidence, not trust, but confidence toward the state. Uh, so th this is a good step, um, but um, we need to build um, a whole framework of transparency, 
reliability, um, a whole framework uh, of um, um, mobilizing the citizens to become engaged, informed, participatory digital citizens. Uh, we cannot uh, expect a developed digital economy and digital society without engaged, educated, informed and active digital citizens. So that's why uh, we need to focus on new digital citizenship narrative, new narratives that uh, will uh, create alternative futures. Um, this is a matter of education and cohesion will create more trust. So uh, trust is at stake and um, we have to, to build a more resilient economy, a more inclusive economy, and a new ecosystem of skills that are not only technological or technical skills, but there are skills, uh, there are creative skills, future skills, um, uh, skills for um, um, communication online, for um, building online networks, for um, um, coordinating digital networks, etc. Uh, skills is a key factor for moving forward, both hard skills and soft skills. And um, we need to, um, uh, to do it fast because uh, in two years from now, current skills need will be out of date. So we need an ecosystem of, skill, of skills that will be continually uh, get updated and uh, will be inclusive, uh, artificial intelligence, 5G technologies, and um, Internet of Things creates the so-called post-internet future. Um, and uh, we have uh, questions about um, citizenship, identity, at uh, many levels. Uh, all these things are at stake. That's why literacy, Futures literacy uh, is uh, combined with digital literacy. We have to embrace the future, embrace change, embrace uncertainty, embrace complexity. These are cultural skills, mostly. And we have to focus on this skill set in this uh, new ecosystem. Uh, I would like to bring uh, Effie also into the question, but uh, Harry, you mentioned skills, and there's a question that uh, is being addressed to Effie, so I will add this. Uh, in the uh, discussion that Effie can, uh, can do. So Stratos uh, Novomiliotis uh, asks whether, the, to which degree, the modern Greek education system uh, introduces students, prepares students for the current digital world, uh, and how the Greek universities in particular encourage the use of practical digital tools to prepare for the new global uh, economy. So, uh, because also Harry mentioned the, the, the idea that you know we need more skills and skills get depleted very fast in a, in a, in a world. So is the university doing anything in that? Uh, and to what extent, uh, what is the scope for university to do that? Uh, but also if, if you want to relate to the previous question. Uh, 
I, I would like to previous question on the trust uh, issue. I think it's uh, uh, trust it's mon of monumental importance when it comes to digital interaction, especially with the state or with the banking system. And back to the original point about trust uh, and whether people will revert to the offline processes once uh, the COVID uh, uh, pandemic is over. Uh, I can only bring the examples we have from, uh, from the Greek banking system. Uh, first with capital controls and now with the COVID, we've seen an explosion in digital banking. Uh, after the, uh, the, uh, after the, ca the, the capital controls, we didn't see a reduction in the number of digital banking users or in the transactions. On the opposite, we've seen uh, a very steep increase. Uh, also in the recent pandemic, although at the end of the lockdown, we had like 90% uh, being completed uh, in the digital channels. Uh, in June, when branches were opened and the uh, restrictions uh, have been lifted, we see 92%. So my point is when there is trust and there is convenience and the customer experience is much more superior to the offline world, uh, it is, uh, I think it is, it is, it, it's a no-brainer. Um, it will be very hard to go back to the old way of doing things. As long as you have trust and, uh, and, the, and, and the comfort that you know, your money is sent to the person that needs to receive it, uh, your tax is paid, um, your, you, you, you get your meds because you have the prescription on your smartphone, etc., etc. Uh, so I think that, that that's probably my kind of take based on my experience in the banking system, which happens to be very similar. Uh, uh, it's an industry that has very, a lot of similarities uh, when it comes to the governance. Uh, on the university and the whole educational uh, uh, the, 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 how the Greek education system prepares uh, new young citizens for digital transformation and, uh, and if, if there is a plan. I, I think uh, in, my, in, in my experience as someone that has been educated in Greece and in the UK, but as well as a digital practitioner in, uh, uh, in Greece, uh, as I said earlier, I don't think at the moment, I think we are lacking a plan, a national plan on how different stages, different industries will um, will uh, will lead uh, citizens through this digital enlightenment, if you like. Uh, so uh, apart from ad hoc uh, efforts that may happen uh, on, uh, on particular universities, uh, I don't think there's a well orchestrated uh, system in that respect. Uh, to be and back to uh, to Professor Checkery's uh, point, I don't think that I wouldn't I wouldn't expect the universities or the education system to teach digital uh, cybersecurity uh, or basic digital understanding uh, concepts. I would expect them to teach them uh, the ongoing learning and evolution skill, uh, how to keep their themselves constantly updated. Uh, how to educate themselves on new technologies, on new skills, rather than teach them technology X, Y, Z, which by the time they need to use it, probably it's going to be out of date. So that's where I see the major contribution that not just the Greek, but every uh, educational system needs to play in this new world. Uh, there, is a, there is a summit in Greece taking place uh, these days, which has a very bold title, it's called Unlearn. And I think that's basically the new skill we need to, that our, our educational system in Greece needs to invest on, is how to unlearn probably the old traditional ways and relearn uh, how to be flexible, nimble and agile more than anything. We're still on the course of learning rather than the course of <laughs> unlearning. <laughs> Uh, um, I, I would like to, to, to 
pick up on this point. So in, in a different uh, world, in more kind of labor economics, uh, things not directly related to the question of the of digitalization, although that is also a field and an area that is looked at also in labor economics, of course. But uh, there, there is this kind of uh, understanding of, a, if you want a division of labor, where you get more, um, well, hopefully soft skills, but also generic skills from the education system. But uh, you rely on different forms of the of the employment relationship and how it links to the education system to develop specific uh, skills. So if you want the, the kind of the German apprenticeship model where, uh, uh, you know, there's, there's uh, combined education and placement or something mm -hmm. which is more, uh, you know, in the world of internships and, and other uh, placements outside education. Um, and, and of course, we know that the, the you know, the, the skills needed for the robotization, digitalization uh, era are very fast changing. So that would suggest that employers have to do most of the of the legwork in terms of uh, upskilling and training and continuously training uh, the workers. But then we know that employers in Greece are um, few large employers and many small, very small micro businesses who, even if they wanted to, even if they were themselves very literate uh, in digital terms, they wouldn't be able to necessarily support the cost of training, uh, you know, they don't even have employees, let alone to train them, uh, for example. So do, do you think, and again, a question for the whole of the panel, do you think that that is a, a fundamental problem in Greece, which is qualitatively different than in other places in, in Europe? So we have a problem in terms of the supply of skills just because of the structure of the, of the economy. So I don't know if you can start and then I would like to hear the views of the rest of the panel as well. Uh, I think it's, a, it's an interesting one. Uh, I think uh, we have to take into account that Greece is a relatively small market. Uh, uh, the economy is in the process of recovering from a very long uh, fiscal crisis. Uh, the investments, uh, the budget have been reduced for companies of all sizes and especially budget on development or on talent development um, have been in many cases acts like uh, uh, like a frill, which is obviously, I don't think we 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 we, we believe this is in the right direction. Um, so we do start from a rather not this uh, not advantaged position. I think that that's something we we have to to acknowledge. Um, having said that, I think we are fortunate enough to be in 2020, which is a year that leapfrog is possible. Um, I do. I, we, we I feel that the, we still have it's it's. Uh, I think it's more that the problem these days is not so much the budget. I think it's more of the mindset uh, that needs to change on the uh, employment arena uh, in the in the Greek uh, in, in the Greek market. Uh, I feel that whenever what, the, the the saying that uh, goes like uh, if there is a will, there is a way. I think it couldn't be more true uh, for year 2020 uh, that you can find. Um, Thankfully, uh, because of technology, you can find uh, uh, solutions that you can develop your employees, you can invest on, in an ongoing manner on the upskilling, reskilling. Uh, so uh, I, I feel that uh, it's more a matter of, uh, of top management understanding and assessing the importance of keeping their employees uh, up to speed rather than the actual economic or technological barriers that may exist in the process. Thanks, Efi. Uh, Kayopi, would you like to say something? Uh, yes, just a 
Can you hear me? Okay. Yes, um, yes I think the structure of the economy is, is a, an important factor. Um, but I would like to, to stress the, the, um, another aspect of, of, of training. Um, we, we need training anyway in order to increase the so-called employability, uh, which means that after uh, such a, a protracted crisis and high unemployment rates, there are people long-term unemployed who have probably lost lost uh, touch with you know developments and lost interest maybe even worse so um one thing yes it is training but in connection to employment um the second point is that those who mostly fear automation as a point that was referred a few moments ago uh, are mostly unskilled people people who can easily be replaced by you know machines, robots, whatever, um, and there we need to see what is the percentage. How how big is this group? It could be a big group, and sometimes they are also long-term unemployed. So that makes the problem even worse. And the last is that these there are people who are outside of the economy and will never go back, in. and I fear that. Those who are outside, who are not in active employment, have no interest or no no chance or no hope or no whatever to, to go back in, in uh, into employment. They are outside of all these policies. It's a matter of personal motivation to to get more uh, literate in terms of digital technologies. This uh, female sixty plus widow, etc. Why should she do it? Maybe, uh, maybe Facebook, in order to communicate with uh, her grandchildren or uh, one of her friends. But what else? E-banking, yes, e-banking is, is something that they may learn. I'm not sure. I, I, I have the feeling that there is a group that is in that way more or less lost. It has lost the train had missed the train, has lost the opportunity and missed the train. So, um, and in that respect, I'm not sure that this should be, you know, the, 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 the target group for, uh, for a strategy for um, digitalization and um, um, training and all of that. Uh, I would like to bring in uh, a question that links to the demographic, uh, a question by George Daremas. Uh, from Athens, I think he says the younger generation appears adept at digital use, but it is rather ignorant of how the digital ecosystem operates. And this shows both in the low level of uh, cyber security, um, but even more significantly in the high degree of digital addiction, which is the second largest in Europe after the UK. Apparently. The, uh, yeah, so, so I mean, may, maybe the problem with uh, um, Internet penetration and digitalization is not so much as Calliope was saying the uh, you know the group that have opted out uh, uh, you know in their own accord, uh, but uh, is with the new young generations that are not actually getting uh, safely uh, both in terms of cyber security but also in terms of digital addiction into the digital uh, world. Um, can I start from Haralabos and then we go 
the other direction for the panel. Yes, indeed. There, uh, I, I have seen some surveys. Um, I have recently uh, seen a survey uh, showing that um, Greece is uh, in the top uh, top three of the European countries um, with um, problems of internet addictions. We score high in internet addiction. Um, I have in mind some surveys showing that um, we have we score high at um, Thessaly and at some uh, Gian Islands. And um, the, the thing is that uh, we have uh, um, a high level of internet addiction in um, teenagers. Um, so the, the, the solution to this problem uh, can be described by the term, by the concept of um, digital uh, intelligence. I mean, uh, we have uh, children and uh, teenagers, um, especially in uh, non-urban area that um, do not use creatively the internet and um, um, they are the so-called internet um, uh, natives, digital natives. They do not reflect critically on the net, but uh, they, 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 they are not, they do not have mentors to show them the way. I mean, uh, the problem exists not only the, in the teenage population, but in the population of the teachers, in the population of the parents. Uh, digital uh, intelligence has to do with, uh, that's why I focused on this term, and there are global standards of digital intelligence now. Uh, digital intelligence is a huge set of competencies. It is not just one intelligence, it is many kind of it, kinds of intelligence. So it is a, a building online identity, it is communicating online and offline, it is a, a work-life balance. Uh, online is um, about uh, protecting your life, cyber security, cyber safety, etc. This should be applied also to collective, community, collective and societal level. Um, for example, we, we should think about uh, digital intelligence at um, national and European level. The cyber resilience of Europe in this pandemic um, is almost to the limit. Uh, that is, uh, cyber resilience is the biggest issue because digital economy is very um, uh, vulnerable to cyber threats, to cyber viruses, uh, in crypto assets and uh, knowledge economy and um, the economy of networks is good because it, it gives huge dynamics, but there are many weaknesses in terms of um, um, security, safety, both at collective and individual level. Addiction um, is also a social issue. It has social origins. It is not just a psychological issue. We should avoid psychologization of addiction. It is um, a whole mindset, as Effie said, the whole mindset of using the internet, of utilizing digital resources, and this should be cultivated by an ecosystem of um, skills, knowledge, and uh, I can say digital 
um, digital practical wisdom that is the Aristotelian phronesis. We need digital phronesis in order um, to create um, a, a, a new condition that marries, that creates a happy marriage between cognitive capitalism and and um, and democracy. Uh, this immaterial uh, economy, this economy of intangible products, services, and goods, uh, is full of promises, but is also full of dangers. And public policies should be applied to protect the citizens, the consumers, the producers, the industry. And regulation is also needed, uh, a coordinated regulation level a uh, regulation system at european level uh, to protect uh, the future um, regulation is of utmost importance uh, in the way toward ai society yeah thanks Harry. so calliope uh, regulation and public policy to protect uh, vulnerable users of the internet yes we need it but <laughs> Uh, we know that uh, regulation cannot prevent uh, these kind of problems, cannot be 100% um, effective. Uh, often regulation uh, works in reverse <laughs> when you want to see what went wrong and who is responsible. But uh, in terms of uh, preventing... Um, uh, regulation runs you know always behind developments uh, it's it's not something that is uh, in the front uh, you know it's a front runner is i think just follows tries to follow uh, but uh, is never as fast as developments yeah uh, effie on on the same issue about the youth obviously in the banking sector it must be that uh, young people use e-banking services and e-wallets and things much more than people of my age, uh, but uh, do you uh, think there's more um, uh, exposure to cyber security threats uh, for, for younger people exactly in line of the question that we had um, uh, because of uh, less appreciation of the whole ecosystem? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think I have to say I, I feel relieved uh, listening to Professor Chekeris and Professor uh, Spanou. Uh, I feel that this is a trend much uh, broader than what the, the trends we see in the in the digital banking space in Greece and uh, uh, in Greece. And I think it ties back to the digital uh, the level of digital literacy and maturity uh, of the population. Um, it is very uneven. Uh, I think it's it's very clear. I think we do see uh, when it comes to digital banking use we do see uh, a lot of uh, males uh, who typically tend to be uh, more in control of the financial of a household. I guess that that's, that's a stereotype in Greece and that's reflected in the stats we see. Uh, we do see them more active in the use of digital uh, banking services. Um, we see women, even younger women, much more, uh, much less adept in the, uh, in the knowledge of uh, digital banking services. And that also uh, opens up the discussion of how literate they are about their financial life in general. Uh, uh, about, about how, how much they spend on their card, have they reached their card limit, which all kind of is part of the whole digital uh, 
digital world uh, these days. Uh, and I, I mean, I'm just, just going to mention something just to kind of bring this into perspective, kind of being the, the practitioner the, uh, in the group. I mean, we do find a lot of resistance for people to download the mobile banking app, which, by the way, you can log in only using a biometric um, uh, authentication method like your face, your finger, your voice. But people do give away their card details to a random email that doesn't exactly look like uh, their trusted bank's email and their bank repeatedly have told them not give away their bank details. So how I mean, how can be the same person that is afraid to unlock his mobile phone with his face ID and then at the same time he gives away his uh, his card details and his banking credentials? I think it comes back to what previous uh, the previous speaker said. Uh, it's the level, the, the, the speed of digital transformation and digital enlightenment, uh, if I say so, runs at very different speed uh, for different demographics and, and different uh, different areas in, in Greece. Um, we, we haven't had uh, the mentorship. We haven't had parents, teachers, the society, the state teaching uh, people, educating them about this use. I mean, we've shown recently, for those living in Greece, uh, National Bank of Greece recently launched a campaign with a famous TV actress to educate older segments of the population to start using digital banking. So this is kind of the level of uh, education we offer to, uh, to our society for uh, for kind of bringing it up to speed with the latest developments, so uh, it is kind of, it is it is uh, I think for me with this situation, this is an even distribution of digital adoption, a digital alignment on the on the population will continue even uh, uh, further uh, along uh, in, along in the following years, uh, as long as there is no there is not a kind of more well organized uh, um, structure and institution to uh, to help mitigate this concern, whether that would be the educational system, the government, uh, a regulatory framework that uh, uh, highlights the key principles for digital use. Uh, it's something up for discussion and it's something definitely uh, much needed, uh, especially in, the, in seeing how fast digital transformation progresses uh, while we're in the midst of a pandemic. Mm. Right, we're really running out of time, uh, but I want to bring in uh, another, uh, actually two questions, but one issue um, from uh, the audience, that, that would be perhaps our, our last, uh, uh, the last question, and about the role of infrastructure. So, uh, Giorgos Simeres, or Jorge Diaz, uh, is asking uh, to what extent digital backwardness in Greece is just reflecting overall physical infrastructure backwardness uh, in the country. There's a sub-question that I'm not going to... So, is it exceptionally unusual given uh, the other problems of infrastructure in the country? Is digital infrastructure more of a problem than uh, other infrastructures in the country? And uh, another question about the infrastructure, which has to do with the, uh, the degree of monopolistic or oligopolistic power, because, of course, plus, uh, so, so uh, Daremas is asking digital ecosystem relies on development of digital infrastructures. This rely on uh, operators, oligopolies, or even monopolies. What is in your view? Uh, what is your view on having public investment and the public ownership of digital infrastructure to lessen also the the dependency of citizens on oligopolistic uh, markets? Perhaps on the infrastructure issue, Effie. Uh, then I'll open. Then we'll close with uh, Please, 
one minute. I'll try to, to keep it brief. Uh, I, I, I don't think the answer lies in the public uh, investment. I feel that uh, especially these areas where oligopolies are, are noticed, uh, it, it's more about the uh, matter of having a healthy, proper competition uh, more than anything. Uh, that, that's what we've seen in countries that have very uh, uh, high standards on their technical infrastructure. Um, yeah, so I, I think definitely, uh, definitely uh, encouraging private uh, investment and promoting uh, competition in the field. I would yeah. say. Just gonna pass the floor to the rest of the speakers, conscious of of the time. Calliope. I said I can't say a lot about infrastructure. I'm not the most uh, <laughs> expert on that. Uh, but uh, I would say, yes, it's a matter of, uh, of competition, of uh, healthy competition between providers and, and in areas that uh, belong to, you know, to the national infrastructure, yes, maybe the state has a role, but that's all I can say about that. Okay, we'll close with Haralobos. Uh, uh, you, you have definitely more to say on the infrastructure, so yeah. you can take a whole minute. <laughs> I'll not focus on infrastructure. I mean, uh, okay, there are problems um, that um, need uh, uh, both investments and regulation and public policies uh, uh, to help um, speeding up infrastructures, the utilization of these infrastructures, and also uh, the way that the whole society will be developed as a digital society. Uh, the thing is uh, speed, I agree with Effie, um, uh, since um, classical uh, thinking, since antiquity, time and speed is the biggest issue. Technology is moving so fast, faster than the system of regulation, the system of justice, the system of administration, the system of enterprises, the system of banking. So we need time to prepare. We need time to prepare uh, especially for the uh, senior citizens, for the people who are not equipped with skills, uh, people who are not skillful, are not educated, and who have to keep on thinking in a systemic uh, way. We need systemic thinking. We need to see the whole picture. For example, disinformation can destroy digital economy um, very easily. So we have to uh, create um, uh, digital, digital citizenship that um, um, claim truth within the net. And uh, we have uh, to constantly uh, plan uh, better regulation and reforms within the digital landscape, reforms that will protect um, rights, human rights, fundamental rights, um, that will protect uh, privacy and um, deregulation is a very important issue and information, um, informational uh, self-determination uh, and technological self-determination. There are many issues and COVID-19 speeds up um, the framework for all these issues. Uh, we have many things to gain. Um, to synchronize with uh, this uh, digital um, revolution, um, many more things to gain rather than to lose. So we have to think positive about it, but we have to create new knowledge and we have to create um, new policies 
in order to uh, live in a more democratic uh, digital society. Okay, uh, there's many, many issues, as, uh, Harry, uh, as you said, and uh, we touched upon a few, uh, but of course this issue of uh, digitalization and uh, uh, um, uh, the e economy is going to be with us for all the years to come, so we'll pick up on these uh, topics again. Uh, we have to stop here. I would like to thank you very, very much for your contributions, uh, Professor Tsekeris, Professor Kaliopis Painou, and uh, Mrs. Effie Bitter. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks also to the audience. I think this is the last event of the Hellenic Observatory for uh, the calendar year. Uh, so please join us uh, in 2021 for more events uh, uh, on a variety of topics on Greece and more broadly. Thank you and good night.